Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our reactions to the first round of the NBA playoffs, but we could not do this episode alone, so we would like to welcome back our good friend and guest today for this episode from the Hear Me Out podcast, Brooks Warren. What to do, y'all? Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a like what I don't even know three weeks, two weeks, something crazy like that, man. It's been a good little minute. Hey, we're just excited to talk some playoffs and a lot of great series in the NBA playoffs so far in the first round. But Jalen has some questions for us, so Jalen, I'm just gonna toss it right to you. Yeah, bro. So like Brooks said, we haven't had him on in a minute. So we didn't get to get any of his like little takes and stuff on these series. We sat down um, on the Impact podcast with Ian Evans, who I'm actually going to fill some of his points in for this when he unfortunately cannot make it to this recording. Um, and I not only want to get some of Brooks's uh, viewpoints on the series as a whole coming into the, each of these series and the opening round, but of course, everything that we've learned from games one and two of the series, um, according to when we're recording this, we're recording this May 26. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the this side of the bracket, not crazy interesting, but has a, a handful of different storylines worth keeping into mind. So right now, the Milwaukee Bucks are up 2-0 on the Miami Heat, and they've done it in two ways. They've done it in full SmackDown fashion <laughs> in game two where they went ballistic from three, where Bryn Forbes of, Forbes, of all people, led the charge to the Miami Heat getting slaughtered. And in game one, it was Chris Middleton on a go-ahead three-pointer in ISO mode against Duncan Robinson to put the game away. My question for you guys, Ryan, I'll start with you, is do you believe that the Miami Heat were a bit overrated coming into this series considering the rematch matchup, so to speak, against the Milwaukee Bucks, or are the Milwaukee Bucks simply just the better team and a lot better than we gave them credit for? I think the Milwaukee Bucks are a better team, and they came into the series with a lot of pressure considering that last year they lost to the Miami Heat. They only won one game in that series, and it was the game where Giannis was injured and Chris Middleton led the way with scoring. So this kind of was a similar feeling with Chris Middleton leading the scoring in game one. I think in game two, it really was just a collective effort by the Milwaukee Bucks to win this game. They defeated the Miami Heat 132 to 98. And like you mentioned, Brent Forbes was the X factor in this game with 22 points and five rebounds. Of course, Giannis had a pretty good game, 31 points and 13 rebounds and six assists. Chris Middleton added 17. Drew Holiday with the double-double, 11 points and 15 assists. So it really did feel like a group effort in this game. And I think that's really what Milwaukee needed. They needed all their guys to step up Miami. On the other hand, it's been a different story. The first game, they were really competitive. The second game, it did not feel like they had a chance. The second game in particular, Jimmy Butler really struggled with 10 points. Duncan Robinson with 10 points as well. I have to point out two guys though, that were great players in the bubble, but are non-factors right now. Tyler hero and Kendrick Nunn. I don't know what happened to these two guys, but these two players are struggling right now. I want to start with Tyler Hero first. Tyler Hero in the first game had 10 points, and he was 2 of 10 shooting from the field. And then the next game, 4 points on 1 of 5 shooting from the field. 
that's definitely a problem right now for the Miami Heat. And then Kendrick Nunn as well, 10 points in the first game on 4 of 10 shooting from the field, and then 9 points in the second game on 4 of 14 shooting from the field. Jalen and Brooks, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm picking two guys that need to step up for these next couple games in the series, it's Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, I mean, Brooks, with that being the case, bro, I mean, what have you seen from the Miami Heat in terms of these first two games? Because I, I, for me, my personal opinion is that they just got punched in the stomach in the first game in terms of the way the game ended. And I feel like they just came out very unprepared in the second game in terms of being able to recover from the way they lost. But how do you feel about the Miami Heat through two games so far against Milwaukee? You think Milwaukee just has them completely beat? Or is Miami, do you think Miami has shown you something somewhere in the cracks of these two games that makes you that helps you believe that maybe they can turn the series around i mean the one thing about the miami heat men is you can never discount them because they have if not the best coach in the association they have the number one a coach in the association and eric spolster and he's always going to find a way to adjust he's always going to find a way to figure out how to get Bama out of bio and jimmy butler tyler hero duncan robinson back into their flow and figure out how to play but right now, man, the Milwaukee Bucks have literally just dominated them and spanked them. They did everything they wanted to do. They It's like taking candy from a baby right now, dude. Like, it's just amazing. Again, like, like Ryan said, man, Milwaukee, they lose 4-1 to one against this Miami Heat team in the bubble. Uh, they won this matchup. You know what I mean? We go from the Eastern Conference. We have one team that won this matchup and are dominating. We have another team on the other side who they wanted to match up against the Mavericks and they're struggling right now. They're down 0-2. Milwaukee, they're just a lot more motivated. They want this more. I think what really, what's really hurting the Miami Heat right now is that Tyler Hero, we, we don't know who the real Tyler Hero is right now. Like, we, we saw what he did in the bubble last year. We saw what Kendrick Nunn did in the bubble last year. And they're both struggling. They're not being able to do what they did. Like, the bubble was great for hoopers to just hoop. You don't have to worry about crowd noise or anything like that. Now you're in the playoffs. Now you got to worry about crowds. Now you got to worry about the environment. And it's a lot easier to just do when you don't have anybody to worry about. So, or not worry about, but, you know, getting your head and all that, this, that, and the third. So um, I think that's, like, the biggest factor. Jimmy Butler, I don't know what's going on with him, man, but he, he needs to do better than 10 points. And he is a leader of that team. He is the heart and soul of the Miami Heat franchise. He needs to find a way to, to nut up get some intentional fortitude because he's as he goes, that's the way the team goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with all those final points. I think the three things that I'll point out are a few things in particular, I would say, um, Number one, I agree with the Jimmy Butler thing. 22 attempts in the first game, they kept that that game a lot closer, and it took a big-time shot in overtime for Milwaukee to pull that game out. Only 10 attempts in the second game, in the blowout game, 10 points, 10 attempts. That's just a very passive, unaggressive Jimmy Butler. That's not going to get the uh, the, uh, the Miami Heat anywhere against this Milwaukee Bucks team. The other thing that I want to point out, it's it's the same point, but it's – it's a two-parter. The first thing is that in the first game against Milwaukee, Miami was outscored in points in the paint 56 to 24. That just means they just got out physical. Like they just got outplayed from a straight, from, as Brooks said, intestinal fortitude standpoint. That was simply who wanted to make their presence felt inside, who wanted to make their presence felt most on the boards and active on the glass. The second thing comes from game two. 
you shoot eight of 23, eight of 28 from the, from beyond the arc while the Milwaukee Bucks shoot 22 of 53 from beyond the arc. Basically, I feel like for Miami, there's nowhere for them to turn. You lose the inside matchup in game one and you barely lose the game. Then you lose the outside matchup from three and you get blown out. I think the unfortunate thing for them now is that there's no medium in between because the Bucs have control on both ends of the floor and psychologically from an offensive standpoint, they've been able to do it in the most in both of the most effective ways to win a basketball game. So I think that unfortunately, I think Miami is in trouble. I I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I don't even think they'll get a game. Um, now, I understand that they do have two games back to back in terms of playing at home, which is going to be huge for them because those role players, Ryan, you pointed to a player like Tyler Hero, who I think role players tend to play best when they're around their home crowd and it makes them a lot more comfortable. Um, I think Brooks's Hooper's hoop comment is important, but I think now that the playoffs are, I guess, the for real version, <laughs> this is the this is the point where these role players are going to have to step up from that standpoint. And, and one more point, too. Giannis had 31 points last night, and he had 13 rebounds. He had a double-double. Last year, we saw this guy get balled up in the paint. Mm-hmm. Now he's stationed off on the wing. Now he's able, able to just rip and go from there. He's still able to get those patent dunks, but the guy's role has changed. It's, it's easier for him to get going when you don't have to go from the you know from uh, top of the key. You know what I mean? That was... Now it's the game is just getting easier for him earlier in the year. He's just you he was still trying to get comfortable with being on the wing instead of being on the at the top of the key. I think everything is just coming out for the Bucks right now. I don't think that they're a championship team, but they're definitely looking very, very dominant right now. Well, I'll tell you a team that looks both dominant and like a championship team. It's the Brooklyn Nets. They're they're in a series right now that looks extremely uncompetitive against the Boston Celtics. And um Jason Tatum missed the back portion of that game. I think he got poked in the eye or something in the game in game two. And so that's not a great sign either. I don't think that's going to take him out of game three or anything crazy like that. But in a series that looks and just flat out feels lopsided um, in favor of the Brooklyn Nets. um, Ryan, I'll start back with you. Is there anything that you've learned about the Brooklyn Nets in terms of them being title contenders that you didn't already know from coming from this series, if that's not the case and you feel like they're exactly who you thought they were, they're playing exactly like the team you expected them to be once they got all three of their talents on the court at the same time, then, then shift it over to the Boston Celtics and talk to me about where you feel their future is headed based off what you've seen so far in this series. What I will tell you is that Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden is unstoppable. If you look at game one, Kevin Durant, 32 points, Kyrie Irving, 29 points, James Harden almost had a triple-double, and now they had 21 points. That's over 80 points combined between the three of them. The second leading scorer outside of those three was Joe Harris with 10 points. I think the, the trio is what's going to carry this team far. And if all three of them can stay healthy, which I I think they will for the rem- for the remainder of the playoffs, this team's going to win a championship. If we look at the other side with the Boston Celtics, I thought they put up a fight in the first game. Jason Tatum with 22 points. Marcus Smart added 17. Kemba with 15. Robert Williams was a defensive anchor in game one with nine blocks, almost had a triple-double with nine blocks, nine rebounds, and 11 points. But if we look at the second game, they really needed Jalen Brown. 
they were outscored. They were outmatched. I mean, Marcus Smart had another good game with 19 points. Kemba added 17. Tristan Thompson had a double-double, 15 and 11. I feel like they don't have enough firepower to compete right now with the Brooklyn Nets. If we look at where Brooklyn stood in that game, six players in the double in, in double digits in terms of scoring. And, I mean, you get Landry Schmidt involved with 10 points. Blake Griffin gets 11 points. Joe Harris goes off for 25 points, and he's the second leading scorer on the team outside of KD. I think for Boston, I don't really know what's next. I think they may have to – I think they might have to flirt with the idea of rebuilding because this team – I think their championship window is beginning to close, and I think it will close if they don't put up a fight in this series. Ooh, okay, Brooks, that's a lot of – that's a big pill to swallow, my guy. Yeah, that's I a hot that's, take. Yeah, that's a lot to – that's a lot to lean into. And, of course, Ryan Ryan is known on the podcast for people who have listened to us for a long time. Ryan is known to be the blow it up guy in terms of these kind of teams and focus more <laughs> on, so on trying to get this team back to where they need to be as quickly as possible. And sometimes that re- requires the Bill Belichick method of trading the guy two, two years too early rather than a year too late kind of is the philosophy. Um, Brooks, I mean, you don't necessarily have to piggyback because I'm sure that you probably have certain areas where you may disagree, but kind of just follow up from a lot of the things that Ryan said and kind of give your perspective, not only on this series, but of course, what Ryan mentioned about uh, about Boston moving forward and what their future looks like. Boston moving forward. I don't think they have to blow it up, but I do think that they should get rid of Brad Stevens. Larry Bird once famously said, man, you only have what four years with the team before your voice really starts to, you know, uh, start not being listened to. You don't. You don't necessarily respect the guy. And Brad Stevens has been a part of this franchise for what now, maybe six years at least. We see that he, he he's able to go to the conference finals. We know that he's a genius, X and O's wise. He knows how to communicate with his players. But it just seems like he can't get these guys over the hump. And I don't know if it's a Tatum and a Jalen Brown thing or if it's a Brad Stevens thing. And I think it's a thing about him. Again, having two young guys like that to be your two best players, I think it hurts you because n- neither of them are super dominant as far as like a KD goes or a LeBron goes. So I think you got to figure out what you do with J- with Jalen Brown too. But yeah, I, I would say don't blow it up, but definitely see about moving Brad Stevens because I don't think he is the solution going forward. I think he might have to go. You said mine was a hot take. Y'all are different, bro. Y'all are built different. And Jalen's oh. looking at me like I'm crazy. I mean, bro, because look, okay, so this is where I stand on everything overall, right? For me, I will say that losing to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, debacle. I think it was just a flat out collapse. I think that's one of the biggest things that's I was quote I would put as quote unquote egregious in terms of circumstances. Of and that was the their Boston best team Celtics. too. And that was I agree. And that was their, I think that was their best version of the team. Um, and that's what makes it so egregious. But I think outside of that, I mean, you've run it into LeBron James multiple times in terms of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I mean, they've had battles with the, the 76ers from a stat, from a talent standpoint, I think arguably are actually better than or even I would say even in the past. Technically, I would be, or not technically, I believe that back when they were facing the 76ers, when uh, 
Brett Brown was the coach. I think that the 76ers still were the most ta- the more talented team of the two, but Brad Stevens was the one to out coach Brett Brown and therefore it helped them in terms of not only winning those series, but pretty much kind of dominating those series as well. Um, so that's kind of tricky, bro. Cause I'm not going to lie. That's kind of, I think, I think there's a, a few points to, 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 to really focus on that kind of, or how do I put it? Like really put this series in perspective in terms of the Boston Celtics. I think the first thing is Jalen Brown, obviously. I think there you run into a buzzsaw in the Brooklyn Nets who you already need the best version of yourself in order to even hang with them. And they don't even have that. So I think that's number one. I think the other thing too is Kemba Walker hasn't been right all year. He came into the year with a knee, a super knee drain that had him out until the back end of January, uh, the back end of um, the first month or two. I want to say the back end after the first month of the season starting. Marcus Smart has not been the three point shooter that he was last year this season. And although Jason Tatum has improved statistically and as an overall player, I don't think that isolation basketball fits what Brad Stevens wants to do. And that's what Jason Tatum thrives at. So that's the only thing that I think may kind of lean in the favor of changing the coach. But I think the rest of their team works so well cohesively that I think when Jason Tatum has other weapons around him, he's able to fall in line where he can still be a 25 point per game guy and still have other guys around him eat in a way that Brad Stevens system typically brings out of guys like how IT was an all-star once upon a time, but there were also guys that played way above their pay grade, a la Marcus Smart once upon a time, Jay Crowder once upon a time, guys of that, that ilk. So I don't know. I don't feel as strongly about Boston's like shortcomings as you guys do. I do feel like they're on the clock from, I think Ryan's biggest point of saying that their championship window is slowly closing. I think that point might be something that's kind of important. Um, But at the same time, these guys are mad young. So like, I've kind of, that's kind of like tricky. So um, I don't know. We'll have to test test the poll with these two questions. Those those are two interesting ones. As far as the championship window though, like, like no one misses Kyrie. I think, I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. Missing Gordon Hayward was what really hurt these guys. Because he's a playmaking mm-hmm. forward. Now he's gone. Now who's going to help distribute the ball? Now he's going to help, you know, bring the ball up. Who's going to help um, make these certain plays that Kemba Walker can't do that aren't in the bag of Tatum and Jalen Brown yet? Mm-hmm. I think that's what really hurt him. And again, yes, the injuries hurt him a whole lot. But, I mean, Brad Stevens, he's getting lauded as this tactical genius he he knows how to get guys to love him and he knows how to love these guys he knows how to be a great leader but he's just not able to get him over the hump I mean he's had overachieving teams but when are you gonna achieve what you're perceived to be destined to do in winning a championship that's that's the biggest question right there I can't disagree with that either I think that's something that's kind of important to focus on when we talk about who Boston is moving forward because of the fact that the whiz kid coach label is only going to get you but so far now that you have those expectations I think a point that you mentioned beforehand is those IT teams were teams that were playing above their belt and because of that that's what made Brad Stevens the it kid Ryan I, I could tell that you had something else that you want to say in rebuttal to yeah, I think when you're talking about getting rid of the coach, maybe it's a situation like Toronto where you get where get rid of one coach as a stepping stone to another, and maybe that's the needle mover from not winning a championship to winning a championship. It's been noted throughout NBA history that 
teams can go from one coach to another, then win the championship with the new coach. Toronto does it with Nick Nurse. Detroit does it with Larry Brown. I think that there's a case for it. But how long are we going to see this core together, realistically? I think that's a very interesting point. And I'm going to take that point. And before we transition to our next series, I'm going to take that point and kind of leave uh, something as a food for thought. I think we might be talking about the wrong people. We've been talking about the coach. We've been talking about the team. But I think there's a guy upstairs that makes a lot of moves that has to finally start getting some questions answered. Because Evan Fournier isn't giving them very much buckets. That was a trade they made at the trade deadline. Tristan Thompson, not really getting it done at the center position. Robert Williams has pretty much outplayed him in both games so far in the series. Brad Wanamaker. Not even on the team anymore. Carson Edwards and Romeo Langford are two guys that are not getting any PT. A lot of trades, a lot of draft picks used that could have been packaged to get guys. All the names have been mentioned. Paul George, Jimmy Butler. Even when they made the exchange to send Kyrie Irving, there was supposed to be a lot of other stuff that took place in regards to that. Um, Brooks mentioned beforehand, um, in terms of talking about Gordon Hayward, that was a guy who they didn't even keep on the roster beyond his actual contract that they had with them. Um, and I once I once said that the guy was like a luxury to have, and I was completely wrong on that. You know what I mean? So with that all being the case, and I and th- to go back to that point, that's another thing where I was going to say, actually, in regards to missing Gordon Hayward, I actually believe Gordon Hayward stunted their growth. I think that would I think that was a decent cop out that he chose to go to Charlotte, and therefore we also saw the ascension of Jalen Brown even more. He was already kind of on his grind up, but I think once Gordon Hayward was moved out and Jalen Brown was turned into a secondary tertiary ball handler that's when we saw the real version of him so yeah I mean when it comes to Boston overall I just think that there's a lot of different things that Danny Ainge has gotten away with in terms of all these moves and you know Gordon Hayward is one of the more recent ones in terms of one of them where I think he got copped out by Jalen Brown being unlocked with Gordon Hayward going to Charlotte but other than that like I said you look at a lot of these different moves that have been made or not made by Danny Ainge. And I think it really leads you to wonder what's up with Boston moving forward. Last point on Brooklyn is this, bro. They were barely down at the start of the first, uh, at at the start of the second half in this game. This was a game where at the start of the third quarter, they were down 53 to 49. By the end of this game, they were up 78 to 73 and they literally never turned around. So I just think that they have too much firepower for, for Boston. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was over in four games. All right, moving next to the, moving on to the next series, bro. We got to talk about this Philly uh, Washington series, bro. We got two Washington fans on the, on the pod. So we're going to try our, our best not to be too biased, but let's look at, look at the circumstances. Uh, Wizards started out as uh, arguably one of the five worst teams in the NBA clawed all the way up to the eighth seed, survived the play in tournament and were literally down two possessions and got a little bit of a blown call with Russell Westbrook being called out of bounds in game one um, away from winning that game. Damn right. Bruh, let's just ask the, let's ask the question that, you know, addresses the elephant in the room. Does Washington have a legitimate shot at upsetting Philly? Or should we expect them basically getting a game or two being the best they got? Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to give Washington – one game i think philly is just that talented of a team i think that bradley beal definitely is going to have to 
have a huge game too. I think the other thing with Russell Westbrook too, I mean, he had double-double 16 and 14 in game one. That was definitely a blown call. His foot was not out of bounds. His foot was not even on the line. It was in the air. So I think that could have turned the tide. If if Russell Westbrook continued to play, maybe that could have led to something. Hopefully Washington could have mounted a comeback of some sort. For Philly, though, Ben Simmons with six points, 15 rebounds, and 15 assists. We talked about this guy as an X-factor, Jalen, and he's definitely somebody that on the defensive side has improved this season, but on the offensive side still has a lot to work on. Tobias Harris with 37 points. You want to talk about a third option for this team. Tobias Harris is a certified third option, and I think they've really needed more shooting from him. They needed him to get more involved in the offense, and that's exactly what Tobias Harris did with his 37 points in 37 minutes. So I think Philadelphia is going to do their thing in this series. I think that it could end up being a gentleman's sweep at the end of the day. Brooks, where you stand on the series, bro? How you feel about our Wizards, bro? Uh, our Wizards, man, it's it's it's, it's a uh, it's tough. We fight hard. We have a a great month, a great month of April or a great month of May and April to get to this playoff situation. End up running into a bus off Philadelphia. Um, Bradley Bill fights so hard to get in this position that he ends up uh straining his hamstring. I know that. I'm not going to compare it to me because I was only a high school athlete, but I know what it's like to like turn a hamstring and, and hurt yourself and all that with your hammy can't run. It's hard to do all, a bunch of things. So yeah, I, I know he's not right. And he, he even admitted that himself. This isn't an injury that you can recover from in a week, especially at uh, 26, 27 years old, however old he is, um, which is, you know, obviously still young in like the real world, but regardless, um, it's tough, man. And if Russell Westbrook puts in another performance like he did the other night, then gentlemen's gentlemen sweep might not even be possible. Like he needs to be great in order for this series to be even the series. So I agree with with Ryan. It's probably going to be a gentleman's sweep. It's a good time watching these Wizards. Well, not all the time, but it was a good time watching <laughs> them. You know, at certain points. Uh, hopefully, they can use this as a stepping stone going forward. Because got Russ, got Brad. We have a great six man, a great power forward moving forward, and Daniel Galling. I, I want to see what goes on with Thomas Bryant because I'm a huge fan of him, and I want him to. I think they can be a twin towers. I think they can be a really good front court moving forward. Got to figure out what you want to do with Rui, Davi Spartans. Wake up, bro! Stop shooting. I know you have a green light, but stop shooting everything that you see, bro. <laughs> Just be, be a little more uh, discretionary, I guess. I think I think that's the word. You know, be smarter with your shot selection, bro, because you got the green light. You got the laser. You're the Lafayette laser for a reason. But be smarter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be pessimistic in terms of the series, but optimistic in terms of the future. Pessimism tells me that they're going to get a game max, but I think that this game, this, this entire series might get wrapped up in four. Moving forward, though, in terms of what we have to look forward to, uh, Russell Westbrook is a player. Of course, he is only aging more. So that's one of those things that we do have to keep in mind as a guy who relies heavily on athleticism uh, to, you know, pretty much push his style of play. But Bradley Beal, uh, Davis Bersons, as you mentioned beforehand, Daniel Gafford and Thomas Bryant, both on the floor um, as a potential one-two punch or having Daniel Gafford come off the bench and spell for Thomas Bryant. That's a Gannon Gafford. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. But uh, Daniel Gaffer can spell for Thomas Bryant. I think that might actually be very important in terms of helping Bryant's recovery process. 
I think Rui Hachimura is still somebody that's slowly building his game up for this team. Denny Avdia was a guy who had little spurts here and there, but I think as he continues to get a grasp of the NBA game, I think he's a guy who we should definitely be good with. And then you throw off the fact that we do still also have a first round pick coming up and a draft that's significantly deep. So I think that's all stuff that we can build on. I just think that this series wasn't built for us because Joel Embiid is a beast and we don't really have any side, anybody inside that can hang with him. Gaffer is strong, but he's not built enough to be able to go one-on-one down low with Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid has done what he's supposed to do, and that's not float outside a perimeter and settle for jump shots. He's doing everything down low. Tobias Harris is playing up to snuff while Ben Simmons is also being a top of the league defensive player. So, I mean, they've got everything going for them and the Wizards kind of just drew the wrong team. <laughs> to kick off the playoffs let's move on to the last se- series of the eastern conference and let's talk about the atlanta hawks and the new york knicks brooks this one's more about you than it is us bro we didn't get your take on this one and he kept it so dl it wasn't even in the group chat i scrolled a couple of times trying to see if i could find the pick i found ryan's i found ian's but i did not get any takes from brooks on this series so brooks who you got, bro? For the for the Hawks and the Knicks, you said. Yes, sir. I'm going. I I we were, we were on the Impact podcast, bro, and I picked the Knicks. So I, I gotta say with the Knicks, man. I gotta say with the Knicks. I I think I'm a big D Rose fan. I gotta I gotta say with my guy from Chicago. Uh, I like Julius Randle. You got two guys coached by one of the greatest of all time and Coach Calipari. I think they got what it takes. I think they got the intestinal fortitude. They got the swag. Um, to beat these Hawks, man. But the, the main thing is not allowing Trey Young to go crazy like he did before. Dude, and this is obviously like, you know, OG, old old people talking, boomer talk, but like, knock him on his ass, literally, because he's not that, t- I mean, he's tough, but he's not physically tough. Like, mm-hmm. I, I punish him. I, 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 I make sure I, I leave a mark somewhere because you can't allow him to, to just get in the lane like that. Skip to the skip through that lane, get that floater up. It's crazy. They shouldn't have won. They should have won on Derrick Rose as a floater possession before, but they didn't get that stop when it mattered the most. So that's what I want to see. I, I want to see Julius Randle step up a little bit more because he didn't have a great of a performance in game one. Um, so that's that's what I need to see. I'm I'm staying with the Knicks. Hawks, this is like this is such a great matchup because, like you said before, Jalen, they're two teams that are young, but they also have just like a lot of potential going for them. So we got to figure out what they're made out of, but yeah, I'm sticking with the Knicks. So anybody who didn't listen to the impact Brooks did actually put that on front street a little bit. The reason why I asked them this is more so because on that podcast, Ryan and Ian tend to have a smidge of beef in case nobody's very aware. And they tend to bring this over here, bring this, bring this negative energy over to the HTP. So we need to bring a little bit of positivity to the mix and Ryan, you have yourself a running mate in terms of picking the Knickerbockers to win this series. You know me, I'm going to roll with my guy because being the Georgia boy that I am, I'm going to roll with a- Atlanta and Trey Young only helped validate that pick for me in game one. What is your retort, rebuttal, uh, further expansion upon Brooks's point in terms of the New York Knicks, man, because he's in your corner. And we got to get some context on that beef too. <laughs> we will, just believe we got a different series later on for that. I think it's plain and simple. And I think the defensive scheme involves trying to stop Trey Young any way possible. I'm looking at the stat line right now for both teams. Frank Nail Aquino played one minute in that game against the Hawks. 
And his sole purpose was to stop Trey Young, and he could not do it. Now the goal for game two is how do you prevent Trey Young from scoring more than 20 points? I think Tom Thibodeau needs to come up with some defensive scheme considering that he is known for his defensive acumen. So I think you need to be able to stop Trey Young. That's number one. Number two, Julius Randle needs to get more involved. I like how he put up 15 points and 12 rebounds, but he did it on 6 of 23 shooting from the field. I think that is another thing that he needs to improve on. Number three, Alec Burks, 27 points in this game. I think this is the most that he's had this season. I could be wrong, but I think that he could be an X factor going forward to give them production off the bench. I like Derrick Rose in closing sequences, especially when he put up that floater as a potential game winner in game one. I think he needs to get more involved offensively on the floor. I think for the Hawks, Bogdan Bogdanovich with 18 points in his first playoff game, I thought that was impressive. Lou Williams giving them some scoring coming off the bench with 13 points. I think Danilo Gallinari definitely needs to get going as well in this series because He's been a consistent three-point shooter throughout his entire career. So if he can get going offensively, I think that the Knicks are going to have more problems to deal with other than Trey Young. All right, fellas, with that being the case, before we close out the Eastern Conference and move over to the West, I need hot takes from everybody. For context, Ian is not on this podcast today, but his hot take from the Eastern Conference is Hawks and Six. Not super sure how crazy that is. Considering that, I had him I had him Hawks in seven, but I still think that that's something willing to lean on because that means he, that he plans on them either maintaining home court advantage or something else. But what do you guys, what are you guys' hot takes? Ryan, I'll start with you. I'm going to say Wizards win at least one game and Daniel Gafford gets a double-double. Interesting. Brooks? I say Russell Westbrook doesn't get a triple-double, but they do get gentlemen swept. I'll say that. I think... I think the Mavs sweep the the Clippers. I think they do. I think the way that they're playing right now, the way they're getting like stomped, just getting their manhood taken away. I think the Mavs can can sweep them. Man, you both were safe. I'm gonna give y'all the mix. I'm, my hot take is that <laughs> Atlanta is gonna win this game in five, so they could get this joint done at the cribbo. What do you mean? We're gonna get this done at the cribbo. This is this is simple. We're gonna walk into MSG and let them know what time it is. Simple as that, bro. Again? Game five. You Let's saw what Derrick Rose was saying earlier. Right? I don't. I don't. This is about hot takes. Trey Young is about to get booed out of the building. I don't I care, that. man. We are gonna get this done at the cribbo. Hot take of hot takes. We gonna get it done. I'm trying to tell y'all. We get it done in five. Bump six. You trying to go back? You trying to go back home? Home, Ian. I'm trying to get it done where they was out here throwing slurs. I'm with it. So we're going to get it done in game five. But anyway, <laughs> got to tone the violence back down. Got to tone the violence back down. We're going to move over to the Western Conference, man. Look, let's just let's just start out spicy, bro. Clippers down 0-2, man. What in the world? <laughs> like, I'm going to just – I'm gonna, Ryan, I got to throw it to you. I'm sorry. I wish I had more context to this. But, like, Ryan, down 0-2, man. Luka going crazy. Is Luka Doncic actually the best player in this series? Do, do the Clippers have any chance of winning this series? Where, where are you at on this, bro? This is ridiculous. Okay, so in all seriousness, Luka's the best player in this series. It's very close to Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi dropped 41 points in Game 2, and then Paul George had double-double, 28 points and 12 rebounds. But Luka is quickly showing us how great of a player he is, especially in the playoffs. He had a triple-double in Game 1. 
and then 39 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. At this rate, the Clippers are getting swept in the first round. If you want hot takes, I'll give you a hot take. Kawhi and PG are done after this year. I think that there's there's no way they stick around after this. If you want to talk about the embarrassment of getting swept in the first round to a team that you were hoping to play because you didn't want to play the Lakers, and Luka goes off, possibly another 30-point triple-double, who knows? Tim Hardaway might add 25 points, who knows? Maxi Kleber might hit three threes this time, who knows? But I just feel like there's too many factors right now. And I don't want to say I'm right about this series because when we had Lauren Gunn on, even she, the Mavericks fan, went against her team and picked the Clippers. I thought the Mavericks were going to win seven. It looks like they're going to win four. All right, Brooks, we got a whole lot of we got a whole lot of crazy going on. I either need you to calm it down, calm it down, or pour some more gasoline on this crazy. But we got <laughs> we got a sweep. We got we got Kawhi is out because PG's locked up, but we got Kawhi is out of LA. We got a sweep in four games by the Dallas Mavericks. We got Luca is the better player out of any other player on the floor for the Mavs or the Clips. Act the fool, think, bro. Act the fool, bro. Do what you gotta I, do. I can't. No, I can't because I don't feel it in my heart that like the, that Luca is the best player. I think Luca has the most talent okay. out of everybody on that floor right now. Okay. I think he does, but until he wins the Finals MVP, he's not the best guy on that floor right now. I'm sorry, Kawhi Leonard's got it. Kawhi Leonard, he he's proved himself every night, every year that he can he can be that Has he done it every you. night? Not, e- not every night. I'll say every year he shows <laughs> up, he does his thing. He he does his thing, man. We saw what Kawhi Leonard is capable of doing. We saw what was it, 2018, dude gets dirty macked by uh by uh uh Zaza, Zaza Pachulia. Zaza, like his oh my god, I'm not even gonna I don't wanna say what I wanna say about him, but <laughs> uh yeah, he ends up messing up his leg, isn't even able to go the next season. Next season, it comes back, wins a title. His second title wins his second uh, finals MVP. That man is it. He is him. Luka Doncic is getting there, man. If Luka Doncic can get out this first round, if he can even threaten, I don't know who their second round opponent would be, but if he can get to the conference finals and threaten, like, the Lakers if they get out or, like, the uh, the Suns if they get out, then, yeah, I'll give it to him. But Luka Doncic is definitely the most talented player on that floor. I don't think he's the best yet. All right, bet. Well, if we talk about the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets, we got two players who I think we could argue either one in Damian Lillard and Nikola Jokic could be thrusted into that best of the series category. But it's too easy to talk about the superstars in these games because we already know who they are. We already know what they do and we already know what they're about. And the series is tied 1-1. So nobody's got a bit of a grip on the series just yet. So, Ryan, I'll start with you, bro. Who do you believe is the X factor for both teams in this series? I would say for, you know what, I'm going to say for the Blazers is Norman Powell. He was there to add another, or he's there for to add another offensive option to a team that's really loaded with offensive options, if we think about it, outside of Lillard, CJ, and Nurkic. But I think that Norman Powell definitely has a couple of 20-point games in him. I think he definitely has the capability of being that third option, especially on the defensive side. I would also say Robert Covington too, I would say is an X factor. Him being able to lock up Michael, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a key factor throughout the series. And speaking of Michael Porter Jr., I think he's the X factor in this series as well. 
because I think he's going to be a guy that the Nuggets are going to have to rely on to get 15 to 20 points in a couple of these games in this series. I think that the Nuggets need help. They pretty much need somebody to be a playmaker. And Michael Porter Jr. is the playmaker outside of Nikola Jokic for this team. I think if anything, I expect Norman Powell and Michael Porter Jr. to do big things in this series. I feel like another guy, Aaron Gordon, a guy who locked up Damian Lillard in the second half of game two. Defensively, I think it's going to be a a battle to see who's the better defender between Aaron Gordon and Robert Covington. I think there's just a lot of different X factors in this series. Okay. Brooks, you you got anybody in particular for either team? Ryan listed a handful of guys. Is there anybody just in this series in general? Damn, you took everybody, dude. Yeah, (laughs) nearly either series that you've got in the mix. I got two guys you didn't name, but I don't want to steal them. I'm going to see what you do first. I'm thinking about, so for the... uh... For the Nuggets, I definitely would say Aaron Gordon is super important. But I think someone that you got to look look at as far as off the bench is Marcus Howard. That dude is a bucket. That dude mm-hmm. gets it. That guy is him. He's, he, he'll get you that, score, that quick scoring flurry if you need it off that bench. He can definitely switch the tide, you know, when, when everybody's out, when, you know, it's kind of like a lull, kind of in the action. Yeah, he's definitely going to carry you for a little bit. Um, he's only, what, 6'1", 6'2". Marquette guy, very, very solid. Um, I think the other thing that you got to think about for the Trailblazers, whoever throws the first punch this evening and can continue to throw those punches and make sure that the Nuggets or the Blazers don't get up and they're just constant, they're facing constant pressure is going to win this game. And I feel like, like Carmelo is going to be the guy that, that helps does do that because this guy is getting constant slander from the Denver Nuggets fans. We saw what he did in game one. As soon as they started booing him, bucket, 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 boom, 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 boom. End up winning that game by, by a big margin. He's going to be a big X factor there. You got to hope they don't poke the bear because otherwise, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it could be over for the Nuggets, man. Um, one other guy, one other guy I want to mention here. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a big X factor there. I think he is the X factor for the Nuggets because Nikola Jokic, he is an MVP candidate. He might even win the award. I feel like Joel Embiid is my MVP. But, yeah, we know what Jokic can do. Porter, he's got to take over that Jamal Murray role as a closer, make sure that they can get that fourth quarter scoring. Nikola Jokic, he's great 44 minutes of the game. Uh, still determined to be seeing what he does in those last four minutes. So I think Porter Jr. has got to step up when it matters the most, especially if it's a close game. Well, I've got two guys real quick in Yusuf Nurkic, who is the primary defender for Nikola Jokic. That's a guy who over in the National League area, that those are two guys that bumped heads a lot of the times. And this game, too, Fouled out the last Jokic game. surely got the mental edge on him by not only fouling him out, but – the dude was two of eight from the floor with Nikola Jokic as his primary defender. Scored seven points and had 13 boards. The 13 boards is promising, but he's going to get most of the burn against Jokic. Enos Cantor only got 18 minutes in that game and didn't play very much better than, than Yusuf Nurkic did. So Nurkic, that's a big dude with some serious skill. If he's going to, if, if they're going to be able to win this series, I think his matchup against Jokic is going to be huge. And then for Denver, bro, Fasundo Compazzo, my guy, the rookie guard, man, been getting that guy serious has a burn, res- bro. That guy has a resume. Bro, he's getting serious burn as the starting guard for this team. Don't get me wrong, Austin River on the Austin Rivers on the 10-day. 
He's he's active, but he's not the guy they're leaning on to be their primary ball handler. Compazzo and Monte Morris are the two guys that are playing the most minute, minutes at the guard position for them. And Compazzo's been the guy getting the start. We're talking about a dude who's a quote-unquote rookie right now, getting serious burn for a team that's looking to make championship championship moves in this playoff series and in this playoffs in general. I think his ability to stay on the floor is huge. He had 12 points and six assists in that blowout win over the Portland. I I think that his production is huge because we saw how important Jamal Murray's production offensively was. We know Composo's not going to give them 26 a night like Jamal Murray did in the playoffs last year, but his old, his his productivity along with Monte Morris, if those two can combine for 25 plus a night, I think Denver is in 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 the running to be able to win this series and moving forward. This was this was a, in game 1, their four guys combined scored about just barely over 30. I think they had 31 points combined. In this game 2, Cabazo had 12, Morris had 12. That's 24 points. 24 to 30 points a night combined between the two and they win the game in blowout fashion. I think that should tell you a little something something about what they just need, just a little smidge of production from the guard position, and they're back back to being right in the mix. Um, let's move on to the third series in the Western Conference real fast. This is one of those that I think is going to be kind of quick hitter. Donovan Mitchell was expected to play game two after missing game one in a very weird kind of way, um, listed to be okay, and then just wasn't able just wasn't in the game uh how do we feel about donovan mitchell uh and his impact in this series coming back and the more important question to me as the grizzlies fan on the pod is do we think that two years in john moran is a top five point guard in the nba with the way that he has lifted his team to the playoffs both years being the man at the helm ryan you can answer both questions as quickly as you would like so I think Donovan Mitchell is going to move the needle for Utah. I think that with him, this team is exponentially better than what they are now. They only lost game one by three points. And Bojan Bogdanovic had 29 points. Rudy Gobert had double-double, 11, 11 and 15. Mike Conley got in the action with another double-double, 22 and 11. Also had six rebounds in that game. And then Ingles, Clarkson, and Derek Favors, 11, 14, and 12. So they're definitely getting their scoring in as well. But I think that with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think the game is nearly as close as it was in game one. I mean, for the Grizzlies, John Morant's the real deal. I will say that top five point guard, I think it's too early to say. I think he is a very phenomenal basketball player, but it's the second year of his career. And also you mentioned that he carried his team to the playoffs the first year. They were an eight seed going in and lost that last game to the Portland Trailblazers. So it's great what John Morant's doing now at such a young age. It's impressive as well. And I think when we're having that debate of who's better in terms of that draft class between Ja and Zion, I think that's an even more competitive debate considering that their resumes are stacked at such a young age. Mm -hmm. So I think for the Grizzlies, you got to get John Morant involved early. I think Dylan Brooks is going to be an X factor is in this series as well. He dropped 31 in game one. I think for Utah, they just need to make threes consistently. They only shot 25 and a half percent from three in game one. The Grizzly is not so much better at 35%. So I think consistency shooting beyond the arc is going to be the big thing for the Utah Jazz. All right, Brooks, same two points, my guy. How are we feeling on Donovan Mitchell? How are we feeling about John Moran as a top five PG? 
Yeah, I agree with Ryan, man. Donovan Mitchell is definitely going to help move the needle for this team. Um, they were able to float pretty safely for that month and a half, month or so that he was gone. But you have your best player back. You have your guy who exploded last year in the playoffs. He exploded the year before. Exploded all three years that he's been in the league. The guy is – the guy can can get you – in the playoffs, he, he'll lead you in the playoffs. He'll get you everything you need him to get. It's just a matter of what can the, the supporting cast do? What are they going to be able to do to help him out? Because we know what one, guy, what, one, what one guy can do. They're all great role players. Jordan Clarkson's a great sixth man. But what are they going to do to help him out? Because that's what matters the most. Who can create their own shot going in those last four minutes? I think Jordan, I think Jordan Clarkson, Donald Mitchell, I'm sorry. He's going to help get him to that second win tonight. And I think that um, it's going to be a great series between John Morant and, and Donovan Mitchell. I see and Ja literally going at Donovan Mitchell, trying to test that ankle out. The dude is shifty. He's going to make him work every time down that floor. Speaking of Ja, is Ja Morant a top five point guard in our group chat, bro? I said that Ja Morant, I like Ja Morant more than I like Zion Williamson. I think he is the better rookie. I think he might even be the better player right now. But with that being said, bro, I'm not gonna say he's a top five point guard. I'm sorry. I, he is. I'll say, I'll say top. He's in the he's in the uh, upper ladder right now as far as point guards go. I don't think he's better. I wouldn't say he's better than like a uh, uh, Steph, Dame, Chris Paul right now. Uh, even Russell Westbrook, um, uh, De'Aaron Fox, guys like that. Like I wouldn't say he's. We can have a conversation about that. We'll have a different pod. We'll have a different pod. We can have a conversation about that. We got a little something, something rolling. We got a little something. We can have a a conversation about that. But no, I wouldn't say he's top five, but I would say he's like top 10, top 15 at the worst. Dude literally went at Steph Curry. He went at the King's neck, took that crown. He said, I'm not going to go on Twitter anymore. I'm not going to subtweet you. I'm just going to do my work. He learned from that Sunday defeat. He did what he had to do. And now in the playoffs, bro, he, he gets a chance to do what he didn't do last year, be in his playoffs, prove that he's a great point guard, and he's going to do that, man. I, 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 the, the future is right for that squad. He's, the future is right for that franchise. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I think uh, in terms of D. Mitch, bro, I'm going to just make it very simple. If he's coming off injury, Chris Paul version injury, he's going to be a net negative. If he's coming off injury as LeBron James version injury, I think he's going to be a guy that can at least be a plus for them as a guy who can come down and make timely baskets. That's what LeBron James has been doing for most of this series and the back end of the season to help them kind of get through to this portion of uh, the playoffs in the first place. Um, He was a guy that came off an injury and instead of being super athletic, LeBron, he's been winning with his head a lot. I don't know if D Mitch can necessarily be that guy, but I think if he's not nearly as hurt as for example, Chris Paul looks I think he's a guy that because of his ability to create his own shot in a way that a lot of the other guys on his team can't, I think that he's going to be able to hit timely baskets and that's going to be extremely important. Let's roll into this last series, man, with the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. It started a lot of beef on the impact because because my, my dude Ryan over here has a very strong take when it comes to these Phoenix Suns. And I think it's because he wants this man, LeBron James, up out of here. So with that being the case, we're 1-1 at the, uh, through two games, Ryan. Biggest takeaway, one singular takeaway from this series that you can lean on right now. How you feel? The improvement of Anthony Davis from game one to game two. If we look at Anthony Davis at game one, 13 points on five of 16 shooting from the field in 39 minutes. Game two, he turned it around 34 points on seven of 15 shooting from the field, added 10 rebounds to that in 40 minutes. 
It's really just going to come down to the involvement of Anthony Davis. How many points is he going to score? Also, Jalen, I want to point out, I want to say something that you mentioned as well when we were, when we were previewing each series, Andre Drummond is actually getting some significant playing time for this team as the starting center for the Los Angeles Lakers. Game one, 12 points on five of seven shooting from the field, nine rebounds. Game two, 15 points, seven of 11 shooting from the field, 12 rebounds. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely put up some solid games. I don't really know what his, what his net standing is right now in terms of how he factors in on the offensive side and on the defensive side, but it's looking pretty good right now for Andre Drummond. I think for the Suns, Chris Paul is going to be a factor. I think his health will be a factor, but I don't know how much of a factor it will be because of Devin Booker. Multiple 30-point games against the Los Angeles Lakers. You want to talk about putting the spotlight on somebody. We're putting the spotlight on Devin Booker, who's been phenomenal since that 8-0 run that he went through in the bubble last year. So I think if, if the Suns are going to ride somebody to the next round, it has to be Devin Booker. And I think if there's anybody to take down LeBron James, it's Devin Booker. Brooks, any any big takeaways from the first from the first two games of the series, man? LeBron James is the master of losing game ones, man, because he's always able to <laughs> figure out how to write or how to uh diagnose what what these teams want to do, man. Cause everybody was like, oh my God. The Le- LeBron and the Lakers, man, they look really weak right now. They look really unhealthy. Oh, my gosh. What's, what's going to happen? Are they going to lose to the Suns? Guy goes out there, has a masterful game. AD shows the unibrow is not a fake situation. He's going to he's gonna lead you to these wins. And that's what, hap- that's what happened, man. AD was looking like, if, if not the best player on the floor, he was one of the best players on the floor. Guaranteed. Um I think I think the Lakers gentlemen sweep this one going after the going moving forward from here. Interesting. I mean, for me, uh my 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 takeaway is the one that um Ryan highlighted in our in our preview uh talking with Lauren Gunn. I stuck my chest out and said that Andre Drummond is not gonna get no burn. I, I felt very confident in that, with that being the case. And I felt like AD at the five is the most important way that they're able to win ball games. And they proved me wrong. They played big with LeBron James, um, Andre Drummond and uh, AD all on the floor and they played big they didn't have AD floating on the perimeter because Andre Drummond was in the game they weren't settling for three-point shots they played aggressively and Andre Drummond made the most out of his minutes and he pretty much did it within the frame of how Andre Drummond has been playing his entire career so my biggest takeaway from the series so far really is just that Andre Drummond has proven me wrong through two games now that shouldn't tell you a whole lot um, because there's still so much more of this to go or at least I think so. But with that still being the case, I think Andre Drummond just being a net positive on the floor is something that should be both encouraging for the Lakers and d- discouraging for the Phoenix Suns because of the fact that their best player is injured while some of their while, while some of the Lakers role players are only catching their stride because Dennis Schroeder had himself a good game too. Um, fellas, one hot take from the Western Conference Series real quick. Ryan, what we got, my guy? I have to say Mavs sweep the Clippers. But instead of Luca being the leading scorer, it's Tim Hardaway. Interesting, interesting. That Dallas Mavericks definitely look real crazy right now, and Tim Hardaway has been having having himself a couple games so far. They've been shooting from three unconsciously. Brooks, any uh, any big big hot takes from any of these series in the West? And I think 
I think it's going to be a competitive gentleman sweep for the Lakers. I think, I think every game is probably going to be decided by like two or three points. I think, uh, I, I think, I think, I think the Nuggets, they might be able to to win this series in six games. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but that's about as hot as I can go, man. All right. Well, uh, Ian said he let me know that his hot take is that he believes that Dallas will win in five games. And I'm going to be honest, bro. I think my hot take is going to have to lean a little bit away from some of these series. And I'm going to lean with my guys, bro. I picked the Jazz originally. I'm flipping. I'm flipping. My stomach felt John crazy guy, when I made it. I, 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 made it. I guy, felt huh? real crazy when I made the take initially because of the fact that John Moran is my guy. They win game one in a very controlled fashion. It wasn't crazy. Don't get me wrong. If, Bog, if, if Bogdanovich had hit that three towards the end of regulation, we might be talking about a completely different set of circumstances if they went into overtime. But I just think that the Memphis Grizzlies are playing tough. They're playing strong. They're playing against a Utah Jazz team that looks like from a pa- on paper standpoint, we're supposed to be penciled to get past the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have been doubted all year from the beginning of the season. ESPN had them as the eighth seed with a 46% chance to make the playoffs. That means even at the eighth seed, they believe that just similar to last year, the play-in tournament might knock them out. Not only did they live above that, they took down San Antonio, who's got a good core set of guards on that team. They took down Golden State, who everybody basically penciled, including some of us, as taking the dub against them in that play-in tournament to get the eighth seed. And then for them to wake up against the Utah Jazz in round one like this for the first game, I think it's huge. What they do in game two, momentum shifter could be in their favor. If they win game two going back to the crib, I'm not, I'm sure as heck think this series will go seven, but I think that Memphis might turn this whole thing around. So I, my hot take is that I got to flip picks all together and I got to go with my guy, bro. I didn't feel right the first time I got to make amends. Um, we're going to take these last like two, two minutes real quick to, cause I want to ask you guys a quick little question. We've seen a revolution of really young players uh, go crazy so far in these playoffs. John Moran, Devin Booker, RJ Bear, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, just to name a couple of these guys. Real quick, guys, how do you guys feel about the future of the league knowing these guys are the guys holding the mantle? Ryan, quick thoughts, my guy? It's bright. In a couple of years, when we think about how far the league has come because of these young players, the league's in good hands. Brooks? Revolution is being televised, bro. Bro, when LeBron James is out, when Chris Paul is out, when Melo is out, we got Luka, we got John Moran, we got Book. We got uh, uh, Trey Young. You know what I mean? The future is bright. Revolution is getting started right now. I love – this is why I love basketball. This is why I love the NBA, man, because there's always someone who, here who's willing to replace the next – or the, the previous king. Tom Brady isn't going to retire for, like, another 10 years. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is going to be a, a legendary quarterback, but he's, he's not going to be able to replace Tom Brady as far as that, that king of football. Bro, I mean, I think it's well said. The NBA is in a very interesting space right now, rotating through the cycle. We haven't even got to talk about guys like De'Aaron Fox and other guys that are on the come up that didn't get to make the playoffs. Shea Gilgis Alexander has his own team. It's a handful of guys. So I think the future is bright as well. Ryan, carry us out of here, bro. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is one hot take that you have for the rest of the first round of the playoffs. We'd like to thank our guest Brooks Warren for coming on and talking about the NBA playoffs with us. And of course, we will see you guys next episode. Peace.